0: This last one here um, is going to be about um, coveting. And um, I, I, don't, um, I don't want you to leave here condemned because I promise you that there's not a person in here that does not covet something. Um, and I'm not here just to say, oh, go ahead and covet, it's no big deal. But I believe that God wants to deliver us from coveting so that we can be content with who we are. And content in trusting him with the provision that he wants to bring. And so, Lord, I just want to commit this time to you, these tender commandments, um, this last one. And, um, Lord, just as uh, Paul said, all these commandments point to a bigger commandment, Lord, that is summed up in one command that says, love your neighbor as yourself. And, Lord, that's why we don't want to covet our neighbor's house and his wife or their spouse, their stuff, their kids their work things, their tools. Lord, we want to love our neighbor. And Lord, show us that you will provide the things that we need when we need them um, because that's the faithfulness that you have. And Lord, I thank you for the trials when we wait. And waiting does seem boring. Lord, it, it seems frustrating. But we know that you're in charge of everything. And when we wait, Lord, you're building stuff in us. We become bigger and stronger, Lord faster. I thank you for that. And I pray, Lord, that you'd make these scriptures come to life so that we can be encouraged and transformed. We need you. There's not a person here that doesn't need you badly. And Lord, we don't come as the, off as the elite, Lord, but as those who are brokenhearted and need your healing and restoration. And Lord, turn us into the elite who can follow you and not have the world or our own flesh impact us that we can walk strongly. We can't get there on our own. We ask that you strengthen us by your power. We give you all the glory so no one can boast or brag. Our hope is in you. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? Amen. amen. Well, <clears throat> let me just do a quick review here uh, before uh, we look at the this one. Um, the, these commandments are important because they're summarizing here to the 10th one. And the 10th one is kind of the culmination of desire. The word, the word desire is the longing after something, like I want that. And then coveting makes it a devotion. It becomes a complete object of worship or devotion. You have to have it. And I'm, I'm going to give a lot, lot of different examples here uh, today. But I just start with the first one where God says, I am your God. He starts it off with understanding that he is the God who delivered you from Egypt. We're stuck in bondage, stuck to the world. It's under its grip saying, I'm in charge. The world says, I'm in charge and I control you. And we say, can you say it with me? No. no. Say, God is in charge of my life. God in Listen, your boss isn't in charge of your life. The economy is not in charge of your life. God's in charge of your life. If you can get this, it'll change your life. You, can, you don't have to be striving after so many things. You just be content and saying, God's got me. Do you think that God won't take care of you? Of course he will. But he's always leaning you toward trusting him so that you know that what he can do. And then he's the one who says he delivers you. And the number two is he says, don't turn to idols. And he, we've all done it. We've turned to idolatry. Some other thing will help us. And it never does the job. It always falls up short. And then he says, don't misuse my name. My name is Precious. It's my name has power. I'm the creator. You know, it's like, it's like your child if you're a parent and they come to you and they, they don't recognize that you were given for their sake. Now you may have not been the perfect parent, but you can imagine what they do need. God is the right parent and he's there for you. And his name is, is all power, all might, all insight, all love comes from him. And it's his name, it represents who he is. And then he says, I want you to remember the Sabbath day, rest. It's okay to rest. I'll provide for you. Work the six days, work the days that you need, be active, be proactive. And on that seventh day, take a rest because that seventh day, that number seven, that, that seven is Jesus. He is the rest. How many want to enter into Jesus? The rest. That's why we don't have to work for our salvation. We enter into the seventh day. We enter into the rest where God has done all the work. Do I hear a strong amen there? This is very good news. And and isn't it great that God wants us to rest, and then he adds in there, and he goes, and by the way, your kids can rest too, because that's our temptation. I'm going to rest, and you need to do my chores, so go take care of it. The kid's like, yeah, Dad. And he doesn't get to appreciate the rest. And it says in your workers too. And I know people want to work your, your, your worker slaves to death. You know, you know just a little bit more blood out of them. Get some more revenue. We got to make the numbers. But listen, why work against yourself? You're working against the principles of God. Rest and you'll see God bring increase. Amen? Amen. Honor, honor your family, your neighbor, your parents, and the people who bring your water. Thank you, faith. Amen. And and honor, because honor is a place of respect. When you give people respect, even when you don't think that they deserve it, honoring brings uh, righteousness. And then he says, and this is an odd one, you shall not murder. (laughs) It's like, think about it. in 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 the kingdom, in the animal kingdom, this is totally not understood at all. You know what I mean? They just, you know, you kill to eat. And the thing is, he says, he's telling the Israelite clan, don't murder each other. Don't kill each other. You know, because God is the author of life. This includes killing yourself. Don't kill yourself. Don't kill yourself. God is in charge of your life. He gave you life. He gave you breath. It's his to give and to take away. And God is the steward. Of all that, Jesus is called the eternal life. He gives you abundant life. And you may be in a season where you're going, man, I'm discouraged. I'm depressed. There's no hope. That's okay. Persevere through that season. You'll get to a season of hope. Sometimes the tunnel just seems dark and it seems long and you don't think God's working inside because you're thinking, oh, it's just, I blew it too many things. And you start to put hope in yourself. That's what happens when we sin. Darkness starts to surround and cloud our mind and our ink. We get anxious and then we start worrying and then we start to feel the burden of what we've done. And then we start to try to dig ourselves out. Listen, if you've dug yourself into debt, don't wiggle your way out of debt. Give your debt to God. Let God get you out of debt. Put God first. Let him do that. If your bitterness and unforgiveness has taken you somewhere, let the Lord bring you out. And this murder, you shall not murder, isn't just, you know, actually stabbing someone and killing somebody. We see that, and it's alive in our culture. But he's saying in our hearts. He says, anyone who doesn't love his brother or his sister is a murderer, it says in 1 John 3. In other words, we can murder people with our thoughts, and, and how many have had anger toward people this way? I mean, you know, I've had it driving, but, but <laughs> that's usually superficial. I've had it with people like, oh man, they burn me. And then you, all of a sudden you just get angry. And then all of a sudden God's going, look what's in your heart, look what's there. And don't deny it, pretend like, oh, I don't have anything, I'm fine, I just got rid of it. Now just admit that you have it and let God bring real eternal life and eternal change to you so that when he delivers you, it's for real, Amen. And then you shall not commit adultery. In other words, you got the relationship, those of you who are married, you got the, you got the wife that God gave you. Instead of investing it with your eyes, looking everywhere else, and then looking to act on it, why don't you invest in the wife that you have? Husband and wives, why don't you invest in the husband that you have? You know, you'd be surprised when you nurture and care for your spouse how much blessing they'll have. Was there a funny line over there I missed? Sorry, television audience, we don't know what they said, but it was hilarious. (laughs) Ushers, usher them out. We got to get these big muscle ushers back there. But but instead instead of adultery, and you you can do the lust in your heart too. All you have to do is see a picture on the internet or see something on the TV or see some kind of little clip, and then all of a sudden your heart can just go there. And you know what? The, the woman or the man or whatever the case may be in your fantasy always does what you want them to do. Right? And guess what? It's not real. <laughs> Just turn to someone, look at them, go, it's not real. It's make-believe. You know, it, it turns out that real wives and real husbands actually need nurture and relationship. <laughs> That's what it turns out to be. <laughs> And, and, and God's not saying this only just for you. Like God's going, I really want purity in all the relationship. That's my big deal. No, this whole thing is to point you to him. God doesn't want us to have this God and that God and that God and just kind of randomly. He wants you to serve the one and true God. He wants you to know the one and true God because he's the eternal God who knows how to, you know, if you want to take a bus trip from here to Atlanta and you know a bus knows how to get to Atlanta, that's the bus you take, right? Right? <laughs> God knows how to drive throughout eternity. And isn't it amazing that he invites you on the trip? And not only like you're like on the back of the bus. You're going to be riding with him. The Bible even says you're going to reign with him. We're going to reign things. Now I admit we sometimes look like losers. But we're not going to be losers then. We shall be changed in a moment. And we, when we see him, we shall be like him. And God says, this is an amazing gift to us. It's a blessing. It's the reason he made us. So let's live a life worthy of the calling we have. Amen? Amen. Not to earn your salvation. Don't anyone go out there and say, I'm going to try to be good so God will like me. The cross says that God so loved the world already. He already loves you. And he did it so that you could be saved and rescued. And then two last ones is don't steal and don't lie. Because stealing is a poverty mindset. You don't have what you need, so you got to take it. Trust me, I've stolen in the past. You know, I've taken things and, and it's because I, I'm never going to be able to get this. And if I don't get it this way, then I won't be able to get it. And You just steal it and lie. You start to present yourself as something other than you are or you lied. It's, it's a false witness. You know, you testify against your neighbor when you're the one who did it. Someone else did it, but you know you did it. And then which brings me today, and it says, and you say it with me, you shall shall not covet covet your neighbors. neighbors. And there's going to be a bunch of stuff written out here. Okay? Don't take your neighbor and you're going, who's my neighbor? Remember? Remember? You know, it's like, you know, be, be loving to your neighbor. He goes, Who's my neighbor? And it says they it says they said this to Jesus because they were trying to justify themselves. Like I take care of my neighbor. Yeah, I get his newspaper and stuff like that. Who's your neighbor? He's saying it's the one that you interact with. It's the one that you end up giving to. Well, who's the neighbor that you're coveting from? It's the one that you take from. Maybe it's someone that you saw in a Facebook page or whatever. That's your neighbor. And he's saying, Don't covet, don't covet. It's not gonna help you. Again. If you can break free, if I can break free totally from this, from with the Lord's power, we can be free to say, Lord, I don't need to covet. I don't need to have a poverty mindset where I'm going, I just don't have enough, I don't have enough. I can't trust God for the provision. And so we take things that aren't ours. And then we, desire starts to come in where we start to desire something our neighbor has. And then that becomes devotion or sometimes considered lust. It's covetousness. It's, it's hard-trenched now. I want that. I have to have it. And by then, your heart just starts to follow it. How many want to be free of this? Come on. And the first thing is to admit it. So let's start with the very first one that he lists out here in Exodus twenty seventeen. You shall not covet... What did I say? Oh, okay. You shall not covet your neighbors. Can everyone say House. Gosh, they have a nice lawn. How to get that riding lawn mower? I got to push this stupid thing around. I wish he was a good neighbor and he'd mow mine too. Takes three minutes. Gosh, it takes me eight hours to do it. Oh, that's right. I have kids. Thank God, Lord. Listen listen, look at this house, you know, I want that house, don't you, how many, you want this house, you know, you look at it, and you drive down, and you know, and I know that some of you guys drive around in the rich neighborhood, buy your latte, that's why you don't live there, because you keep buying that latte for five bucks, you have about a thousand lattes, you could have bought that house a thousand times over, but how many still rather have the latte, and that's why you do it. Me too. And, and listen, you drive down there and you go. You know, and I'm not talking about admiring a house that somehow you have to look at that as sinful. I'm talking about where you start to covet it. I got to have that. I want that. You start to change your work life so you can get it. You, you think if your kids are in that house with you, you're not going to have problems. <laughs> right? Because I look at that house and I go, Joni and I are going to be sitting in those lounge chairs right? And, and then it's like, and so, you know, even if you've had a bad devotional week, you're going to want to pull out the Bible then, (laughs) right? Because you're going to be, thank God for this pool. And so you put your feet in the pool and the kids got their feet in the pool and you don't realize all the problems. Like they're going to invite their neighbors. They're going to poop in the pool and you know, like (laughs) all the stuff that happens when you have a pool, but it just seems like your life's going to get better. Come on. Can you admit it? It's just the way that it is, and and I look at this this picture of this couple. You know, it's it's why is the grass always greener for my neighbors? Do you notice that? I don't know what it is about my lawn, but it just gets it's brown and there's green. And they, I know they put this nitrous and they put other stuff on it, but theirs just gets green faster. And it's like, and look at how happy they are. You know what I mean? And if you put on the next picture here, it's like the the appliances. I have to have them. Do you know how difficult life is if you have to wait an extra minute because you don't have enough wattage for your microwave? Do you realize how long? Pop-Tarts, instead of seven seconds, take nine seconds. How many need one of these appliances? Now, how many need, need that appliances? Do, do you know that if any of your grandparents would have had any of these appliances, they would have rejoiced? I talked to Jody's grandma before she passed away, and she was telling us how they had to make soap in the morning. They had to make soap, and then, then they go, and say, so what would you do during the day? And she goes, we'd wash clothes. And then she go, when? Like All day. Like all day, like you're washing clothes, like, you know, four in the morning, you know, until nine at night, you're washing clothes because you're, and, and it's like, I don't, mine's like my, my, my appliances are white and I'm going stainless steel would look really classy. (laughs) How many think we're a little spoiled? in our culture. All you have to do, I go to Africa, you know, and, and you, you sit there with their huts. They got a hut that's about the size from that little black thing over to here and about this wide and about six people live in there. And that's their house. They see our house like, you guys live in palaces. You now it's apartment. <laughs> it's 800 square foot. I want my neighbor, she's got a three bedroom. And that's how it works. Number two, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. You know, we kind of cover the adultery part, but you are not to long for. You're not to look over your fence, take a peek, and earnestly desire and lust for their, their spouse. If you're a woman, it's the man, and vice versa, or in this culture, it doesn't matter, does it? You're not to long or lust after that. There's a lot of wives, neighbor's wives on the internet, is there not? And it's kind of, God's saying, be content with what you have. Don't covet after that. It's a, it's a fruitfulness where there is no fruit. And, and I, I realize we live in a place of remarriage and broken marriage and all that stuff. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to show, tell you that God's saying that I can provide for you. Be content with what I've given you. How many say amen. amen? Be content with what I've given you. Invest and nurture and make more beautiful. I know what this covet just looks like. As you see these two people facing each other, you just think to yourself, his wife is so spiritual. I bet she would respect me. Right? I know what the woman's thinking. I bet he would love me. Look at that. They're praying right now in the spirit. And, And then you look at this, you know, the Harlequin romance, you know, you're thinking to yourself, how come my spouse and I don't wear matching scarves? It's like, Jode, what you wearing? Oh, I'm wearing a t-shirt today, surprise. <laughs> Honey, where's our matching scarves? <laughs> Listen, I think you should have deep relationship. But sometimes, you know, you have to understand that the picture of the perfect fairy tale sometimes goes too far. And I, and I, I look at this picture with the motorcycle and it says his wife always wants to kiss him. It's like, and that's what you think, man. If I get this motorcycle, she's going to get on the back and she's going to be kissing me the whole way I'm getting a bike. (laughs) And then your wife really gets on the bike and she goes, it's cold. What? Did you not see the picture? (laughs) Because women are always getting on the bike like this, right? That's their big thrill, kissing you on the cheek. Think about this. Listen. This is the covetousness that that that's not God doesn't want us to have, and then you start coveting the kids, the neighbor kids. Why is their kid such a good reader? All you guys do is play games. You guys need to be reading now. Get some books. We're going to the library. All of you are starting to read. Gosh, I wish I had that kid. How come? That, how did I get these kids? And then. And then you start to look at your family and you go, why is their family so smart? <laughs> I had to find a picture with kids with all glasses on. I just look smarter. <laughs> I know it's a terrible thing, but I just thought they just look smarter. And, you know, the, why, is, why are they so rich? Like, they're always going on vacation. Don't they have jobs? How come their business is going well? I want their job. I need their job. What they get? What do they do? And it's like they're so happy and... You know, this, this is where you kind of get this covetousness. You know, you, you want their wife, you want their spouse because you think that's going to be perfect, and so you covet it. And, and all you have to do is start to give it your desire, and desire will become covetousness. It becomes a devotion. Listen, if you're honest, and it doesn't have to be an actual neighbor's wife or something, if you're honest, you can look in your own heart and say, Man, I've coveted. I've coveted. No question about it. When he comes to the church, I'm going to read this in just a bit. When James comes to the church and when when uh, Jesus speaks to the people, he's not wondering if they covet. He's saying you desire and you covet. He's telling them that. He's not saying that because he wants to send the covetous to hell, like in Ephesians. It's because of the fact that he's saying... You need to understand it so that you can realize that you need to be rescued. You need to be saved. And how many say amen? Amen. We need to be saved. Number three, do not covet. And then he he says not his wife or his male or female servant. Not their workers. Not their ox, you know, who plows the field. Man, I wish I had that tractor. Man, I need that diesel truck if I could just get that. Wow, look at that computer. Trust me, this gets to me. I'll be driving down the street and I go... Man, look at that computer. Look at that hard drive. Or I'll see some car and I'll go, Man, that's a nice car. I wonder if their air conditioner works more than 15 minutes. I mean, I don't know why Jiffy Lube came up with their plan, but I soak it dry. Do you need it to put the oil in again? Yep. When would you put it in last? Yesterday, I think at 9 o'clock. I'm just kidding. But listen, you want... Their job, you want their work tools. A business starts to take off and your business wants what their business has. We start to covet. It, listen, God is gonna steer us in this scripture where I'm gonna lead you. He's gonna say, you don't have because you don't ask God. It's not between you. Your world is between you and your neighbor, you and your boss, you and everything else, you and the internet, you and what you can see. That's where your provision comes from. And God's saying, go vertical ask me. And he's going to say, and when you ask, ask with the right heart, check your heart. It's probably not hitting right on the first try. You know, you start asking God, but then he's going, yeah, check your motives. And yeah, I put there, I want his wife and his cool motorcycle, right? That's how coveting works. And, and a, a picture of this Mac pro, they have so many things that I need. My neighbor does. And I don't know if you've seen the new Google Glass, but it's like, I got to have it. You know? Because you put that thing on, and for one thing, you get to see the computer, all your information. You can start processing data however you want. And I like to learn things. You could just be standing there picking up information. You know, they have certain clubs and places now where they don't allow you to do it because you can take videos of people while you're walking around. Pretty soon you're going to have goggles on both eyes that you can see right in front of you. You can see the people or you can switch the mode and you can see this big virtual world and then it'll get better and better and better and pretty soon you'll be lost in your virtual world. You don't think that'll happen? I know some of you think the end times are going to be in the next five years or so. I don't. I'm ready for it, but I don't think it's going to be. I think there's a lot of technology that's to come still because I can imagine it. That means that it's possible. And check this out. I want this Google Glass, but what if it's not mine? Well, then I want the keyboard too. Right? And I put there, Lord, don't you realize how amazing I would be with the right synthesizer? How many have thought this before? Not with the synthesizer, but with something else. You know, if I just, I know some of you tool guys, if I just had this crescent wrench. Thank God for snap tools. Lord, if I just had this hammer, I could take walls down. And if I just had this nail gun, Lord, we would save so much money. How come they have a nail gun? And of course, I need the right guitar too to go along with it. And I, and I, I, I used to have these music books, you know, like Mix Magazine and Keyboard Magazine and Guitar Magazine. And I'd go through it and I'd just look at a picture and I'd go, ah, oh. I start to go, I, I could man, if I had got that. And then it would go from desire, because there's nothing wrong with looking at a thing going, I like this keyboard. But then for me, it would become covetous. I got to have it. I want to have it. You start changing your life to get the house you want, to get the things that you think you need, rather than trusting God and asking him, you don't think that God wants to bless you? Of course he does. God does. He, he, he has given us all rich things to enjoy. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God, you know, and all his righteousness, he says, he says, don't run after what the pagans run after. Your heavenly father knows that you need it. Like He knows that you need some of these things. Some of you have creative arts and you want the right paintbrush and you, there's a creative expression, but you're so bound by so many things that you don't have the freedom to actually live in the provision and the abundance of God. You're, you're holding on to everything. You can't become like him by holding on to everything. You have to learn how to let go things and start to living like him and then you'll start to see the flow, the life flow come through you. How many say Amen. amen. Okay, and uh, the last one. Okay, he can keep his wife. I just want his car. <laughs> right? <clears throat> you see the see the picture of my truck up there? <laughs> but my daughter always asks, you know, because we got one Yukon and we got that truck, and she goes, "Dad, are we taking the good car?" And I go, "Yep, we're taking my truck." <laughs> You know, it's hard when I drive that red truck around because you park places and you start to draw a crowd. It's, it's hard. <laughs> the teenagers will come up and they'll say, can I drive your car? And I say, no, it's mine. You know, who, who wants that stupid Maserati? And it's, I don't care. Actually, it does look nice. You know, I want that thing. That's how it works, doesn't it? You, 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 t- you take a snapshot at it. it here's a proverb Cast a glance at riches and they are gone. That's a proverb right out of the Bible. Cast, can everyone just do this? Just go. That's a glance. Cast a glance at riches and they are gone. Makes you want to be careful of your glances. Doesn't it? We need some glance control. And then he finishes number four. Or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Anything. Don't, don't covet his house. Stuff in his house, his yard. Don't covet his wife, their relationship, your covetous lust, dream fantasy of it. Don't covet his ox or his male servant or female servant, his workers, and that fact that he can have workers helping him. Don't covet. And then he just summarizes it. He goes, or Anything. Anything that belongs to your neighbor, anything that's his, anything that's part of what they have, don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. And, you know, put, just skip those. Yeah, I just put two pictures in here. My neighbor with the two homes, put the next one on. These are the things that you can covet. Look (laughs) at that house. Do you realize how happy our family would be if we could live there? then your kids would never be bratty if they had that. Right? Because every morning you'd wake up and you'd have a drink with an umbrella in it. Until about the third day when your kid goes, where's my drink with the umbrella? No umbrella drinks. And stay out of hut number four or you go in hut three. But you told me that I could have hut number four. We're on the ocean for crying out loud. You get the whole Pacific Ocean. Well, we've never seen the Atlantic Ocean. Can't we stop in port and do something fun where everyone else is? You know how much money I spent on this yacht? How many can see this argument coming out? Trust me, this yacht won't help you. Greed, lust, all these things start in the heart. God wants you to be free in the heart. I know that they put those things right at the beginning, right when you're about to go to the cash register. They have all kinds of crud they want you to impulse buy. And there's pictures of them. The magazines got everything that you might want. Maybe I want this and maybe I want that. But trust me, it's just there to draw your attention from your walk with God to say, Lord, what do I really need in my life? What do my kids need? And this is the question. Letter A, I don't covet because I'm a churchgoer. Sure you don't. (laughs) This is the woes that come to the teachers of the law. They're the ones that they know the word the best. No one knows it better than they do. They're the Pharisees are the ones that come off the most righteous. And he calls them you hypocrites. Because look what he says. It's like you clean the outside of the cup and dish. It's like you put it in this special dishwasher that only cleans the outside. But somehow you get in there and you know how the gunk sometimes sticks because you didn't put the thing in right or your dishwasher is old or whatever and it didn't clean at all or you just clean the outside and it's shiny, it's bright and you put it there and people look at it and they go, oh, that's nice. But he says inside, he's not wondering if they do. He says inside, they're full of greed. I want more. Self-indulgent. I want more for me. And I get surprised sometimes throughout my life when God has shown me my own selfishness, right? I thought to myself, I cannot believe how selfish I am. It's pathetic. Sometimes may God deliver us. How many say amen? amen? May God deliver us. And then letter B, are you sure you are not like this? Listen to what James writes to the, to his fellow believers. He said, what say it with me? Causes, what causes like what causes this? What causes these fights, this infights, this bickering, this quarreling among you, in your family, in in your group of friends or church friends, whatever, amongst your, your, your boss? But he's talking to Christians specifically here. He says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you, right? They're inside. Verse two, he says, you desire, but you don't have, so you kill. And he's not just talking about murder because he's very familiar with what John wrote in 1 John 3, 15, where he's writing, anyone who hates his brother or sister has that heart of a murderer. They're a murderer. He says, you'll kill. You'll destroy the person next to you verbally, isolate them, whatever it is, to get what you want. And, and I've, done, I've done, people ask me to help them navigate their last will and testament after someone died, and I've been shocked by how people will fight for like an inheritance. like It should be in my name and back and forth. It's like, really? All that? I've had people, you know, rip up the inheritance, you know, I mean, you know, go after it just while the person's not even quite dead yet. It's like you want it. You'll do whatever it takes. I'd rather just give the money away and trust God. God can provide the money. You think that's the only place God knows how to get the money? This is the one way I was going to get you money, but now I can't do anything because I'm only God of the whole universe. Are you kidding me? How little is your God? Seriously, if you really think that, how sad that you think that God only has one little avenue that you thought of. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet. You cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You covet. You know what coveting starts to do? You want it? It kills your peace. Instead of having peace with your neighbor, peace with others, you covet, and it becomes self-indulgence, it becomes greed, and then you don't have peace. It starts to take away your contentment. It takes away the joy that you can have right now. Listen, it's not much that you have. It's, the Bible says, out of the womb you come naked, and naked you go, right? Right? What did you have when you were naked and nothing? You had nothing. How many had a pair of shoes then? No. How many have a pair of shoes? How many have socks? How many had a meal today? Man, you got a lot. How many have clothes? How many have a car? How many own a pet? How many will probably go on vacation in the next five years? How many will go to vacation this summer, like camping, even camping? Man, you came in this world nothing. You were naked. You didn't even have underwear on, for crying out loud. <laughs> I pulled out four kids. You come out slimy with gunk all over you. And all, and all you contribute is... <laughs> this is all you contribute. Yeah! Yeah! He's alive! Yeah! Oh when do you get love right away and you get taken care of right away? It's like you bring nothing and you have to covet something that you everything that you have comes from on high. You may not realize that. Even death and destruction from sinful man around you, God will reconcile and restore. How many say amen? Coveting kills your relationship with your neighbor and it kills the season you're in. Look what he says in verse two. You do not have, can everyone say because? Now we know what it causes it. It's your desires, it's your coveting. You have what you don't have. You want what you don't get. And he says, you start to quarrel and fight. And he says, you don't have because you do not ask God. You're, you're, you, when you want to prosper, you know who you look to? Your boss. Do you think your boss is your provider? Listen, uh, no offense. Honor your boss. Honor, Honor those you work for. Work hard as unto the Lord. Amen? And you will find out that you're not just working for your boss, you're working for God. But if you work for your boss, that's it. God will give you over to that. And he will let that cycle be there. So that you, that's, that's all your, it is. You know why? So you'll see that it is an idol and will take you nowhere. Don't turn to idols. How many say amen? amen. How many are getting something out of this today? Listen, God will take care of you. You do not ask because you don't know, because you do not ask God. Now watch this, verse 3. He assumes this. He says, when you ask. Can everyone say when? when? When you ask, you don't get it. And he's trying to answer. Say it again. Because? God. And here's his answer. You ask with wrong motives. There's a reason you wanted it. And see, the thing about God is as we're talking to God and we're praying to God, he's convicting us of what we're asking for and why. So don't stop and say, I'm just not going to talk to God, I don't know what to say. No, you ask him, ask him, but be open to him changing what you say. Because sometimes you'll say, Lord, I need this and I want this, and he'll go, and why? And you go, because I want it. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. And God's going, get your heart right in this. And then he, you then start to keep step with the spirit. You submit yourself to God right in the midst of that prayer. And God will get you the right heart. And it'll become habit for you. He'll start to make it a habit. He says, you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. <sighs> When he says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, he also says, all these things will be added unto you. It's not as if God goes, I want you to live like a monk and I want you to be miserable. I'm going to take all things away from you and I'm going to get you married, but it'll be miserable. (laughs) Because I'm the Lord your God who needs to prove that he's in control. Really, is this the same God who made the Garden of Eden who says there's eternity with him, blessings upon your imagination? Think about it. The God richly wants to bless you. He's saying trust the provision that he's given you. Verse Timothy 6.6, 6, this is the last scripture and I'm gonna have her come up as well. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, we can take nothing out of it. If we have food and clothing, that's provision, we'll be content with that. God is saying, what I provide for you, what I give to you, be happy with that. Yeah, but I wish my spouse was better and they were this and that. Really? Why don't you work on yourself? How many say amen? amen. And trust me, you start to invest in your spouse, you start to invest in your marriage, you'll start to see fruit in that relationship. <sighs> I know you don't, we don't always want to become good stewards, But do you know that God wants you to learn to be good and responsible with the things that you have? He wants to teach you discipline. He wants to teach you stewardship so that you're seeing an earning of what you make. It feels better than when you just make it randomly. Why don't you close your eyes and we're going to pray and I'm going to have Ira come on up as well. He's going to close us down. Father, I thank you for your great salvation and your great deliverance. Listen, first of all, if you felt the... uh, conviction. I don't want you to feel condemned. That's condemnation and conviction are two different things. Sometimes I feel convicted because I know I'm wrong. And I just go, Lord, it's true. I'm, not, I'm totally like that. But you don't need to take it lighthearted as if it's no big deal. But what you need to do is you just need to say, Lord, thank you first of all for forgiving me because his forgiveness is already there before you say anything. The cross which was God's taking on your consequences, happened way before you were even born. God paid for those things. And it's secure. Read Hebrews chapter 7 through 9. But you can admit it right now and you say, I've been covetous. And you need the forgiveness at the same time. You just want to recognize your need for the forgiveness. Would you just raise your hand high to God right now and just say, Lord, I need the forgiveness. I've coveted. I've desired things that I shouldn't have. Don't let the past kill you. Just admit it with God and just say, Lord, bring me your forgiveness. I need your restoration. Change me, Lord. Help me to be content with what I have and trust that you're going to provide the things that I'm built for. Some of you maybe have creative arts or, you know, work ambitions that God has put. He's given you the desires of your heart. Let God provide those things. You don't need to steal them. You don't need to covet them. Let the Lord bring it. Put your hope there. Put him first with your resources and your finances. He says, put me first and see if I will not pour out such a blessing you can't contain. Give and it shall be given to you. Trust my way of doing things. Father, I thank you also, Lord, for your mercies that are new every morning. And some of you just need to receive that mercy to say, Lord, thank you for the mercies that are new today. Don't carry the condemnation of what you did yesterday. Let that forgiveness come right now. Man may not forgive you, but God does. You say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your redemption. In Jesus' name. Okay, I'll finish. Father, I'm going to finish because his mic for some reason is not on. Father, I... If you're out there and father, I pray that you'd open the hearts of the blind and you've never put your hope in the Lord. You've never received the forgiveness of Jesus. I want to encourage you to, maybe you've drifted away from the Lord and you've forgotten your salvation. I'm telling you that Jesus saw your life and he loved you. Even in the midst of your own sin and rebellion, like mine, God saw me and he brought redemption. He came in the, your form. Bible said he put on flesh. He put on humanity to be dressed up in this world like you're dressed up it says he lived this life but he did not um, he did not sin like we did and thus did not deserve any consequences but then he exchanged them your consequences for his consequences it's an exchange and God says anyone who believes in me will have this exchange I'll take on their burdens I'll take on their sins their problems And God says, and then you'll take on my righteousness and I'll bless you. It'll be a swap. You'll receive full redemption. And if you need that redemption, I don't want you to put your faith in this adventure church. I don't want you to put your faith in the pastor who spoke to you or some leader or human. I want you to put your hope in the, the God who saved you, that he forgave you and receive his forgiveness right now and just say, Pastor, I need to be forgiven. I receive it. It's free. It's a free gift. It's called grace. If that's you, just just raise your hand, look up at me. I want to agree with you in prayer. Amen. 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 I see you. Anyone else? I just want to agree with you in prayer. Amen. 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 Anyone else? Amen. I see you. Is that hand raised? Amen. Father, I thank you. If I didn't see you, Father, I thank you. I thank you for these, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, no matter how many sins. And Lord, we're in the same boat. We're not singling them out to somehow say, these are the worst sinners. Lord, that we say that, Lord, let them join us in the same way that we've experienced forgiveness that they would receive it too. And would you, who just rose your hand, would you thank God by faith? Just say, thank you, God, for forgiving me. And the more important thing is you don't want to just be stuck there. Say, Lord, restore me. Restore my life. I can't look to myself to do it. I look to Jesus to do it. I look for you to empower me to live through me to do it and put my commitment there. And then if I have our base camp leaders, we have a ministry called Base Camp that helps you walk um, and and find out how to become a disciple of God. It's done in a community setting. Um, It's a safe place. It's not a judgmental place. It's a place where there are people there, leaders there to serve you. to make themselves available for you. You can come as you are. You don't have to come as somebody else and just say, hey, I want to grow my walk and they'll walk with you. And if you want to acknowledge one of the base camp leaders or you need any prayer today, maybe God pointed something out and you said, Lord, I need prayer. These base camp leaders are right there in the aisles. Just walk up. They're trustworthy people. That's why we put them there. They'll keep your story safe and just say, hey, I need some help. I need some prayer. And watch what God will do in agreement. He'll take care of you. It's good to come in agreement.